0: popping in to say a quick thank you to everyone that responded to the poll in our facebook group and also messaged me unfortunately to some we're going to be sticking with part one and part two for our longer episodes i'll keep this in mind i will keep polling you guys and let me know what you guys think to see if it needs to change in the future Hello and welcome to Fragmenters, the most entertaining podcast that I've found. Where you get to have a conversation with business women who are enthusiastic about life, work, and money. We love building up other women and getting them ready for their new careers. Cuz 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 No one can do it like we do it like we do it like we do it. Hello and welcome back to Fragmenters. Thank you so much for everyone who's been rating, reviewing, and listening. It's so exciting watching everybody enjoy the show. Um, Don't forget to follow on Instagram and Facebook to see what's coming up next and to get to know each other. Today we have Melissa Young and she is a Business and process architect for an aviation training company. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you. <laughs> so, how did you get into this?
1: Good question. It's kind of <laughs> by accident, actually. Yeah. So, prior to I'm where uh, I've been with aviation or in aviation for about 13 years, and prior to that, I was about 12 years in wireless telecom. Mm. So when I was over there, it was really kind of an accident. I'd started out in customer service and moved into corporate training. And the company I was working for needed to send someone to get certified in the OG Six Sigma training. And so they sent me for that. And from there, I started learning rapid improvement and value stream analysis, um, hosting events, uh, all around process improvements. And that kind of led me to where I am today.
0: So you went from call center to business and process architect.
1: I did. Yeah.
0: Okay. That sounds like a big deal to me.
1: Well, I don't know about that.
0: And, um, <laughs> I mean, I've been working a long time. So, you
1: know, I've had lots of opportunity to, to move around. But, I, you know, I think part of it is just there are certain natural skill sets that people have. And if you're willing to develop those and and kind of go the way that you're led, a lot of times I think you may end up somewhere completely different than where you started. Mm-hmm. And probably even somewhere completely different than you even anticipated.
0: Yeah, for sure. So process architect, being in IT, I'm thinking of like network infrastructure architecture. Is it anything like that? Or is it, what can you tell me about it? (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it
1: depends. So um, I usually work on a project basis. So, you know, with a project, there's like a beginning and there's an end. And what we're looking at in, on the IT side are usually like software implementation, major upgrades, infrastructure enhancements that are going to impact the entire business, things like that.
0: Oh, nice. And do you deal with outside of IT stuff or is it strictly IT process and stuff?
1: Predominantly IT, but I'm kind of in the middle, so I, I consider myself almost a liaison between the business and the IT side. Mm-hmm. So I I have a lot of project management in what I'm doing and process redesign. That's part of any type of either um, implementation or upgrade, and I sort of straddle the line between those two things. So very heavily involved in the IT side. I a lot of times have to translate. Um, the IT to the business in a way that they understand. And then I have mm-hmm. to work on taking the like technical requirements, which are usually like a business requirement from the business and turning that into a technical specification, yep. and breaking it down into phases and stages, things like that.
0: Man, you have to dissect the verbiage both ways.
1: Exactly. That's, That's- that's sort of um, that's one of my superpowers, having the nice. ability to take and translate back and forth, and make sure that both sides are at the same level of understanding. Make sure that we're delivering exactly what it is that they need, but then turning it into geek speak for the tech side, and make <laughs> sure that that my programmers and software engineers are are able to take what the business needs and actually develop a product for them that's going to meet those needs.
0: Geek speak, I love it. So. IT, they speak in acronyms. Absolutely. Yes. How are you with acronyms? Because every time someone throws these letters at me, I usually reply with, I don't speak acronym. What are you saying?
1: (laughs) It's funny because IT has their own acronyms, Mm -hmm. and aviation has their own acronyms, and the government has their own acronyms. And oftentimes the same acronyms mean completely different things. And so you have to know, depending on who you're talking to, what they're talking about. So yeah, it's it's sort of like I need a magic decoder ring. And I unfortunately didn't get one of those when I got hired. So I've just yeah. had to figure it
0: out along the way. Yeah, but when I first started, people kept saying uh, they were doing something for, uh, what is it, CMA? Mm-hmm. I was like, for the Country Music Awards. And they're like, no, it means cover my ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> So yes, those are two different genres. Same actually. Well, and like
1: when you're working with the HR side or the benefits side, and they're talking about STD is a short-term disability. Yes,
0: that so, one threw me off too. Yeah. you have what now. Exactly. You're are giving we actually me. Actually, talking about this. I have two hundred STDs. <laughs> I totally remember that blood test. <laughs> Besides the Six Sigma certification, do you have any formal education or did you learn this mostly on the fly?
1: Uh, A little bit of all of it. So my education is kind of all over the board. I started going to school. Oddly enough, I started going for mental health. I got into my practicums and realized quite frankly, that I'm not made for that field. And at that point in time, the company I was working for, I had been moving up and they wanted more of my time. And I had to decide in that season of my life if I really wanted to get serious about my job or about my education. And I chose my job. Uh, I've gone back a couple of times, but what I do frequently requires like certifications. And so I started racking those up. And you know, nothing about my path has been textbook but I'm not exactly a textbook kind of girl.
0: Same. I always tell people that I did my life backwards. Right. I went to school, had a baby, graduated. Then I got married. (laughs) Not, (laughs) not at all how linear, how we're supposed to quote unquote. (laughs) Right. So what has been your biggest obstacle?
1: um it's funny you say that I would actually say professionally it's been being a woman I'm nodding my head yeah exactly (laughs) nobody can see me (laughs) you have to kind of look at the statistics so you know it depends on where you look but some of the 2022 estimates for the U.S. are that like 46.6 percent of the workforce is made up of women Mm-hmm. Now, the residential population data shows that 51.1% of the population is female. Those two numbers alone really don't tell a story, though. And, you know, for me personally, I'm a woman in IT in the field mm-hmm. of aviation. So clearly, I like to make things as hard on myself as humanly possible. <laughs> um, but on the aviation side, they break it down into two categories. You're either pilot or non-pilot. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm in the non-pilot category. But I for you were a
0: pilot. No, well, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I, actually, I did go to ground school, but that was just so that I could learn the industry. Since oh, okay. I would come out of wireless telecom and then whenever I came over to here, had absolutely no commercial training experience and needed to know a little bit more about aviation. So I went through ground school and and that was just a, a personal goal that I had set for myself, but um that's not the side that I work on. <laughs> and on the the non-pilot side, women make up about 30% of that population, Mm -hmm. but even that number, which sounds like that's not too bad, that number is only as high as it is because flight attendants make up part of that, which is like 79.2%. Yeah. In the pilot category though, women make up 8.4% of the total. And then where it gets really painful is that of that 8.4%, only 7% of the women fly commercially. So that means the rest are like private pilots, recreational mm-hmm. pilots, even students. That's not where the money's at. Right. And then if you switch over to IT, the numbers are also completely insulting. So even though women make up you know 47% of all employed adults in the US, women only hold 26% of the IT roles. Yep. And if you start looking at the, the innovation metrics, they which is where they, they have all of the uh, like R&D and patents and things like that, the numbers are around 88% of all technology patents that are out there come from male-only invention teams. Mm-hmm. So even if a woman can make it into IT, chances are pretty good you're going to be excluded from innovating in that arena. Yep. And then on the project management, if you look on that side of it, they estimate between 20 and 30% of this profession is made up of women. So yeah, I would say being a woman has been my biggest (laughs) professional challenge.
0: (laughs) So I know the statistics because I try, not all of them, I can't rattle them off like you, but having been in IT, you live it. So, you know, but how personally have you seen that affect you?
1: You know, I think that the biggest thing is you have to work a little harder. You know, you're you're often not taken seriously in the beginning and a lot of times you're not seen as a peer. And so you kind of get used to just having to prove yourself. And I'm not one that minds that. I love a good challenge. I don't mind getting in there and proving myself. But if you take a step back from that, you do realize that it is, it holds you back in a way. And should you really have to work as hard as the, the next person who happens to be a guy? I don't think so, but it's, it is is what it is and it's the world we live in.
0: Right. And hopefully the more of us that are in there proving it, the the easier it comes for the next gen.
1: Absolutely.
0: I, it's actually, I, I think I've personally experienced how we are slowly changing the climate because I was talking to my sister, one of many, and she started a new position and she texts me, she's like, she sent me a picture and she's like, Dina, is one of these a Wi-Fi router? because she is not tech savvy at all. She's always come to me for her tech stuff. So I I found it and walked her through it. And she's like, I knew that asshole was wrong. (laughs) Like this IT guy, I wish I had a woman. And I was like, well, it's very rare to have a woman in IT. She's like, I thought it was female dominated. Like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, you're like the smartest IT person I know. So I didn't think it was just you. So hopefully with our kids seeing us do it and their friends seeing them do it, it'll get a little easier.
1: Absolutely.
0: Or my sister's just a dingbat. Just kidding. I mean, that's possible (laughs) too. We've talked about your obstacles. Now, what's helped you the most in this career?
1: No, I think um, two things immediately came to mind. I'm going to say the first is being a strategic thinker. Mm -hmm. but I also think that it was the recognition that the way that I think is actually unique and that it could be turned into an asset. At that point, I really had to make a conscious decision to just constantly level up my skills. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why it puts that characteristic at the top of the list. And then second, I would say tenacity, heavy emphasis on the ass. (laughs) Um, (laughs) My boyfriend recently told me that I don't have tenacity, I have 11-acity because I'm just a little extra <laughs> in every way imaginable. I don't quit and I don't back down. And so I think that having those two things are, are what's helped me get to
0: where I am. Oh, for sure. 11-acity. 11-acity. Exactly. <laughs> My husband wished I had 11-acity. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny
1: because I'm sure he wishes I didn't have it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I got stubbornness, but It's, it's pretty funny because I've always, we're going to go, I'm going on a tangent. I've always had really nice boobs. Like since I had a C cup in fifth grade, like, and I married the only ass man I've ever dated. (laughs) They're wasted on you. (laughs) I meant something else by 11 acidity, but right. So do you feel it's imperative for women to work in your field, any or all of them?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, that it's imperative for women to work in every field. Mm -hmm. I think the absolute best companies are the ones that not only value, but prioritize diversity. I personally don't do echo chambers. And I believe that if you want to solve big problems, you need a cross-functional, cross-organizational team of people with all kinds of experience and varied knowledge to come up with the absolute best solution to a problem. And if the makeup of the contributing team doesn't match the population of the area that you're serving, I really think you're limiting your possible outcomes and your chances of greatness. You need that diversity in all areas, in all fields, in order to kind of level up and and take it to that, that next level of greatness.
0: Yeah, and I think that I would expand further. It's not just in the area that you work, but it's in the area that you help, that you're mm-hmm. servicing. Right. So say you live in Idaho, like I do. We are predominantly white. But if I have a company that's servicing Idaho as well as somewhere in Mexico, as well as somewhere in Africa, having only white staff does not do anything for it so absolutely yeah I love what you brought up and it's not only where everybody's living it's the demographics that you service
1: exactly absolutely whatever your product or service is you you have a, a group of people that you're attempting to offer that product or service to that's the the cross-section that you need to bring into the company, into any team where you're trying to solve a problem. you got to look bigger than just what you have access to, or you're never going to get any bigger than where you are right now.
0: Yeah. Well, just, I'm going for the boobs again. It's going to be a boobalicious episode, guys. Sorry. Sounds good. <laughs> but if you think of it, the invention of the bra and the corset, these things were invented by men because right. women couldn't do it back then. And now I am wearing the most comfortable bra in the whole world. It doesn't have wires. It still has support. It still does all the things. It doesn't squish me flat like a sports bra. And I truly believe it's because it's a woman-owned company. Right. Having women, building things for women makes a lot more sense.
1: Right. It, absolutely. <laughs> so, You're. Yes. It's going to make a difference and, and embrace it. You know, Mm -hmm. accept all the different things that the the different people bring to the table. Just make sure you've got the diversity covered and and you'll come up with a good product on the other end.
0: Yep. No, I love that. What advice would you give to someone wanting to enter into any slash all of your fields?
1: Well, I think there are a couple of things. I mean, first, you're probably going to have to get the degrees and the certification, but your experience is what's going to make you valuable. So get Mm -hmm. in the game. And it's tough because you can't have experience until you get experience and that's super frustrating when you want to, to you know, kind of get into something and, and they're looking for the experience that you don't have. Sometimes I know when I was starting out, it would mean things like volunteering to be the note taker for a project team. It's like you have to pay your dues and then make sure that you're seen as someone who wants to be part of the change and then keep going. I got where I'm at because I kept showing up, but then I made a reputation for myself of getting shit done. And I have a theory that you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution and you choose. And I always chose the latter. I want to be part of the solution. So when you kind of take a step back and look at what I do, like the advantage to this particular skill set is that it's easily transferable across industries. hmm you're building a toolbox. You're filling it with tools. Those tools can be used in other places. And just like you want diversity in your problem solving or your project teams or your company, diversity in your own personal skill set makes you more marketable, gives you more opportunities. I'm not stuck in aviation. I, you know, I came here out of wireless telecom. Those couldn't be two more different things. But my skill set was transferable, and I think that was important. And I think if you can find somebody who does what you want to do and like keep them in your orbit, but like let them know that you're interested and passionate in what they do, because it seems like people really want to help. And Mm -hmm. at the very least, you can learn from them. You can watch them, see what they're doing, learn from their mistakes so that hopefully you don't make them. And then I would say we really have to steer our girls towards both STEM and STEAM. And you know, the difference between the two really being the approach and then the inclusion of arts, which I think are incredibly important. It's not just technology. Yeah. Yes. But I tell my daughter all the time, like women in IT are freaking unicorns. And if you want financial security, explore all your options there because tech isn't going anywhere. It's mm-hmm. the driving force for transformation and innovation. It's constantly evolving, but it's very lucrative. Yeah. And I know money can't buy happiness, but it does buy cool toys. Toys make me pretty
0: happy. Yes, for sure. It's that that's another thing that drives me nuts about women not being in STEM is because if you look at the statistics on the pay Mm -hmm. for people in STEM,
1: right,
0: it's very, very or it's on the higher end. Mm -hmm. So if there are not men or women in there, they're not making high-end money exactly another thing that you pointed out is that we have to point our girls to it yes it's really good that
1: for our boys like that's a natural tendency even in the toys that we buy them Mm -hmm. the activities that we engage in and we do it much less with our girls and I think that that's if we want to improve the the number of women in these fields we've got to start them early
0: Yeah, we have to, and not just the parents, but everything. You have to show it early. Right. I don't think I've ever seen a woman pilot that I can think of off in media in I mean, even in movies, I mean, maybe once in a book, but I can't really remember off the top of my head. Right. So I know that there are women like us that see no one in there. And we're like, okay, you know, I'll be the one, but a lot of people are like, well, that's for men. They need that person to get in there. So, yeah. And even just seeing it in make-believe land, you know, in books and stuff that helps push that. Yes, that is an option because you've seen it there.
1: Yeah, and I have kind of a cool story about that. Whenever my daughter was little, there were times that I would have to take her to work with me, especially if, you know, she was sick or had the school had a holiday. Mm-hmm. And she would come to work with me and she had her little backpack full of all of her little toys. And she would play under my desk and she would write on my whiteboard. And she loved those giant um like the large papers that you hang on the wall whenever you're kind of doing classes and events.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there was at one point that she was at, at work with me and in my door, my office door was closed, but there was a very heavily decorated admiral in the Navy that stopped in to see me. And I was embarrassed and I apologized and I was, you know, fearful that he was going to see me as being unprofessional. Like I said, I work in aviation, which is like the epitome of the of the old boys club. Mm-hmm. And here I had a small child under my desk and we were like singing songs together But he stopped me while I was apologizing and said that he had always known that I was a mama first Mm -hmm. and that he actually thought very highly of the fact that I don't juggle my child and my job. She was my priority without exception. And then he went on to say that I was one of the most. Effective operational strategist and innovative process engineers that he's ever had the privilege of working with. And if you saw this guy's resume, you would understand why this like completely blew me away. and left me speechless. <laughs> I don't get speechless, as you can imagine. But then he went on and told me that I was providing an admirable example of what being a strong woman and being influential in a male-dominated workplace was to my daughter, and that I should be very proud of the things that I was teaching her. Yeah. Um, and then he went on to address her, but. Of course, I was left reeling with the fact that here I thought that I was doing something that would, you know, be a strike against me. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, he didn't see it as a strike against me. He didn't lose any respect for me. He actually, you know, complimented me on the fact that I was showing my daughter through a lived experience what it looked like to compete in, in that particular world.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And that you were able to take your kids. Yeah, well, it was one of those where
1: my office where it was located, it had no windows, it was in the back part of a building, you wouldn't even know if she was there with me. And a lot of what I do is with people all over the country, and in some cases all over the world. So the groups that I work with are not even necessarily in my building. I don't even, I work from home now because of that. They needed office space. They were like, I don't even know why you're here. You work with people everywhere, but in this building. Mm -hmm. So it would be oftentimes that people wouldn't even know she was there. But when they did, she would go to conference rooms with me and sit over in the corner. And because it had always been her life, you know, she just, she behaved like she was just part of the team. She was completely quiet. She didn't bother anybody. And people would just stare at her in awe because this is all she's ever known. Mm-hmm. Um, they used to laugh about the pictures of like JFK Jr. under his dad's desk. Mm-hmm. And there's pictures of of my daughter underneath my desk. And it's, you know, you just expose them to it and make it part of their life and their world. And she always came first, but I also had a job I had to get done.
0: Yeah. So has it influenced her in her choice and direction she wants to go into? Well, she literally just graduated, so she just
1: Mm -hmm. turned 18, and she's a badass, though. kid's already got her black belt. She graduated high school a year early. She just finished her first year of college. The first, this past weekend, I just moved her into her first apartment. That little supernova is like hell-bent on doing life on her terms, Mm -hmm. so, you know, no idea where she gets that from.
0: (laughs) And is she doing anything techie or STEM-related? Not yet. She wants to be, she kind of has
1: two schools that she's looking, or two paths that she's looking Mm -hmm. down in school. She either wants to be a vet, which she's wanted to be since she was very little, or she wants to be in the
0: FBI. I mean, those are similar. Right, exactly. (laughs) You know the first few years of college are all the basics
1: anyway, so it's like you don't have to decide. Live some life, do some things, get some experience. And she worked for the martial arts school for a number of years after she got her black belt. She became an instructor up there, Mm -hmm. and so she's only recently left that and kind of exploring a little more. She's doing a lot of the gig economy stuff right now Mm because it's so convenient for college kids.
0: Vet or FBI? Yeah,
1: (laughs) I know, right? Those are.
0: You know, I hate to say it, but I think FBI would be easier. I could not imagine putting down a little puppy or something.
1: Oh, I couldn't either. Absolutely not. I'm such an animal person. And she is too. And that's one of the things I was worried about. She has this big, huge heart and how she sees the positive side of it. Like when we take the dogs to the vet. But then the negative side of that is that's tough. That's hard on your heart.
0: Yeah. Well, and you said that you went into mental health and decided that you weren't built for it. I considered being in therapist or something to that capacity, and I am not built for it either. So I am not built for being a vet. I am for the best of cases like, oh, you came in because you need shots that's all I do I just do your annual checkups that's it (laughs) pet the puppies
1: (laughs) yep let somebody else do that hard stuff
0: so you've already talked about having your daughter come to work for you have you had any other struggles or have you just loved having kids while working what do you have any other kids No, um,
1: she's my only one. And I would say it's, it was hard, especially because I was a solo parent.
0: Mm.
1: But at the same time, I wouldn't change it for anything. You know, like I, I loved what I did. And I really enjoy participating and making a difference. And I've gotten to work on some really cool things that still blow my mind to this day that I've had those opportunities but I've also gotten to be a mom and I, I was a room mom and never missed a single one of her, you know, parties or field mm-hmm. days or any of those things. It just meant that I had to use all my vacation time for those type of activities instead of us actually being able to go on vacation and do things like that. But you really have to just figure out where your personal priorities are, what's most important to you and how you want to raise your child mm-hmm. and then work around that. and. A lot of times that meant, you know, sacrifices that other people may not have made, but it was, I was always looking at what was in, in her best interest and provided the best living for her. And it was always important to have benefits and insurance and and Mm -hmm. things that I couldn't do if I went out on my own. So it's, it's constantly a struggle, but it's more of that, you know, the emotional struggle of. You always want to do your best, or at least I'm one of those that has that, you know, perfectionist tendency, but I wanted to be the best mom and I wanted to be the best at work and Mm -hmm. you can't be the best at everything. So how can you possibly still be a a well-respected employee who gets everything done that you need to, while you're taking your kid and, and, you know, working from the dojo at night while she's practicing her martial arts, you just do what you have to do.
0: Yep. No, I, it's that 11 That's
1: right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> so what is the best advice that you've ever received?
1: Um, I would say it's to fail fast. And I actually saw it painted on a mural once. And when I first saw it, I could not wrap my head around it, but it stuck with me. It was one of those things I didn't know why it stuck with me, but it did. And then what I really came to realize is that failure is going to happen. So get it over with quickly, learn your lesson and move on. I've come to realize specifically working on the the technology side that it's better to iterate or pivot than to force something that isn't going to work. So it's really kind of a philosophy of incremental testing and cutting your losses. As soon as the testing reveals that something isn't going to work, quickly move on to something else. And it's going to save you time. It's going to save you money. And is it really failure if you learn from it? And so I think that fail fast and, and move on.
0: Man, I still have so much work to do. I uh, had that episode with Kirsten and she she said that she embraces failure. She Absolutely. She's ready for the next failure. And I'm like. Well, <laughs> so. I do. I think
1: it's hard. And I used to say I didn't know how to fail. And I would say that was actually true up until about eight to 10 years ago. And I had worked on Mm -hmm. some technology projects that were, I'd taken over one in particular that it was failing and I got brought in to revive it. And, you know, we were a lot of dollars and a lot of resources invested at that point. Like we really wanted it to to Mm -hmm. work. And one of the very first things that I realized is that it was failing and we either had to completely start over and which was also going to be very costly, Mm -hmm. um, or we just had to totally shelve it and, and move on to the next thing. And that was a hard lesson because I took that so personal and it didn't have anything to do with me. Brilliant. And, and that was the very first time that I had professionally encountered that level of failure. said, I had even been brought in to save the day and, and then had to be the one that went back and said, I'm not going to be able to save this one.
0: Unsalvageable.
1: And it was unsalvageable. <laughs> and, and so we had to completely swift, switch gears, but I learned so much from it. And then when I, because of that, I got to work on projects of a similar size And, you know, we had failure, but they were much more manageable because we failed fast. And we learned very early what was going to work and what wasn't going to work, switched courses, and then that ultimately led to success. But if you drag it out, it's going to cost a lot of money and a lot of resources and a lot of heartache and and Mm -hmm. the torture that you put your teams through. And then ultimately, you're still going to have to pivot anyway. So do it fast and do it early.
0: Rip off the band-aid.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Unfortunately, that is the end of part one with Melissa Young. If you liked this, please rate, review, subscribe, because that helps me out. But also, tune in next week for part two. Thanks again. Bye. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you had as much fun as I did. If you liked this, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure that you can more easily find me in the future. Thank you again. We the right